Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Some of you know, and 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 some of you can relate, but I'm a pretty avid football fan, and uh, this time of year is pretty exciting because you know it's it's you know the eternal hope, right? You even though even though we had a crummy season last year with the Broncos, it's you know, got a new crew this year, and, and you got the hope. And so I've been watching the the preseason games and things like that, and, and you hear a lot of the, the commentary on these football players, and and they, uh, a lot of them hate the preseason. They hate they hate the training camp. They hate preseason games. They're, they do everything they can do to get out of those. And I heard a commentator talking the other day about, about uh, that and, and how they don't like the grind of of the preseason and and, and the the uh, training camp and and then they were talking about the, the the other kind of player that is the opposite of that and they were talking about Peyton Manning and how he loved the grind of of the preseason he loved the grind of of the, the daily practice the the uh, film study the weight room he lived for it he just embraced that and and he. They said that's the one common denominator of all the great players. All the players that are in the Hall of Fame love the grind of of their job, the daily, uh, you know, getting up, going to work, uh, doing all those things that that aren't comfortable, aren't fun. But but uh, they realized that the only way to be great was to embrace that, to enjoy the grind of the of the daily struggles. And so <clears throat> I got to thinking about. Uh, Someone asked me the other day, they or told me the other day, they, you know, I, I was kind of feeling them out and said, you know, what do you want to do with your life? They said, I want to be a great horse trainer. I said, well, then you need to call Matt Cook at about 7.30 at night when he's saddling his 15th horse and, and, um, and see how that is because that, that's, that's a guy that's, that's on his way to greatness because he enjoys the grind. He, he likes riding 15 horses every day. And, and, uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I was down in California at, at a at a roping pro am roping, and so there was a lot of the the best ro- ranch ropers, big loop ropers in the world were there. And I remember the first night I got there, I couldn't sleep, and I don't sleep very well uh, on the ground. And and so I got up, and it was early, and I got up to start wandering around, and and I go out and under the under the yard light, there's Joe Walters throwing loops at a dummy, at a roping dummy, and he's one of the best ropers I, you know, I've ever seen. And he's out there, early in the morning, grinding, throwing throwing loops at a dummy, and and he doesn't have to do that. He's already achieved success, but he wants to be great, and so he enjoys the grind. He enjoys throwing his hundred loops every every morning uh, before he starts his day. And so, you know, I started thinking about that. Uh, as far as our Christian life, are, are we? Are we? Is our goal to be to be great, great man of God, great women of God? You know, and if and if we if that's our goal, then we have to be grinders for God. And and I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It doesn't mean like oh, Christianity is such a grind, but it is. There's there's you know it's it's like it's like in cowboy, and the five percent of the time is the glamour, and ninety five percent it's suffering and agony, right? Ask Lee how his summer went, you know. Uh, and so it's a grind, but ranchers and cowboys love that grind. They love getting up in the morning and, and facing that, that the hardships of the day. It's the only 
it, it's the only explanation I have because there's no other reason we'd do it, right? You wouldn't do it. Obviously, not doing it for the money, not doing it for fame or fortune or any other reason, but 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 for the love of the grind. Yeah, you know, talk to talk to uh, Kevin and Debbie during the middle of calving season. You know, it's it's a grind. It really is. But but we love it. We love seeing those little calves on the ground, and and uh, <clears throat> and so, you know, how many of us read our Bibles this week? I gotta admit, it was Thursday till I picked mine up, because because I'm getting kind of worn out with the grind of of light, of the summer and everything. But if I'm gonna be a great man of God, I gotta pick up my Bible. I gotta I gotta actively be a servant every day. I have to examine my myself and and use my gifts to further God's kingdom every single day. And 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 it's a whole lot better if we can embrace that and enjoy that process. Um, Kevin hasn't gotten to go out and have a night on the town on a Saturday night in what ten years, twelve years, fifteen years, because and and he's never gotten to sleep in on a Sunday morning because of what he does. He's he's preparing a, a sermon every Saturday night, and and it's a grind. I know it is. He enjoys it. I know he loves it. But it's a grind. It's not it's not something that he didn't. God didn't give him special powers to just. Uh, automatically so that just happens he gave him a gift of telling a story and he's using that and, and he's embraced that that grind every day um, to become a great man of god um so i think i think the people that are here are grinders in fact i know they i know you guys are because you're here you're doing that every day and and it's it's real easy to to say well i you know, one of one of the biggest issues I have with my clients, with my horsemanship clients, is is getting them to ride their stinking horses. Right? It, they they want to be horsemen, but they won't ride their horses, and so it it it's never going to happen. You got to get up and you got to be self motivated, and you got to you got to ride your horses. You got to you got to get into that daily grind. Learn to love it. Learn to embrace it, and uh, and you will become great. And I think our greatest example in the Bible of a grinder is Paul. And if you read about Paul, that poor guy, you know he. He was persecuted. He was he was thrown in prison. He was beaten. He was run out of town. Uh, his life was threatened almost daily, and and he just kept at it all the time. He wanted to be a great man of God, and and he became that. And uh, he he even said that that he had to work the hardest of all the apostles because of his background. He was a Pharisee, and then he had to change and and become a, a Christian. And he was persecuted more than all the others because of that. And so if you ever if you ever get discouraged, just start reading Paul's letters because that's all Paul did was encourage churches, went around and and taught and encouraged people to because he understood that grind of of living in a world that that uh, is against us that you, we've got to learn to we've got to learn to enjoy that we've got to learn to get up in the morning and embrace that and and be positive and and have a good attitude about it. And it says in Romans five. Verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance helps develop strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And then John talks about it too in Revelation, about the grind. Revelation 1, 9, John, I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. So he's saying that Jesus is calling us to endure the hardships and the suffering and, and have patient endurance, which is being a grinder. That's, that's, that's what he's calling all of us to do. So thank you for being here, and, and I hope that we can go out this week and, and embrace that grind of being a, a 
man and a woman of God, a great, I want us to be great men and women of God in this, in this church, and, and uh, we're well on our way. I'm going to pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to, to speak your word. Thank you for all the people that are here today listening, and, and ask that you open them up and help them with the daily grind of, of living in a, in a world that we don't really belong to, uh, because we've chosen Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and, and, and for that reason, we're going to endure hardships, and we're going to have, have that daily grind of, of just perseverance and endurance, and, and uh, ask that you give us the strength to, to do that, and help us work together through those times. Ask that you help all those that are injured, sick, hurt, suffering in any way, that, that they would know that you're there, that your spirit is with them, and that, you, and that you're there to lift them up. As always, ask a blessing on Kevin and this ministry and that you can guide us and, and lead us in the direction that you want us to go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I came up with about nine sermons while you were talking, Ty. I'm just, I came up with like nine sermons while you were talking. So I'm just going to not do, I'm not going to grind on Saturday anymore. I'm just going to wait for you to talk and then I'm just going to expound on it. <laughs> uh, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's It's been an awesome week. Uh, you know, for the first time, except for Monday, which is usually my day off, uh, and, and I actually called Robert Monday morning about <laughs> 7 o'clock. Like, Were we gathering bulls today? He's like, no, it's tomorrow. So uh, I had my horse caught and saddled and, and uh, everything. But uh, this week I've been, except for Monday, and that was just because I had my days mixed up. I was horseback every single week, and Ty, what I got out of that is, you know, there's all these things that can get in the way all the time, and and, and I'll be honest with you, and I think I'll talk about it uh, one time soon. Man, I got so much to do uh, with this ministry that I think, oh, you know, I ain't got time to do that. I ain't got time to do that, and and the last thing I wanted to do was was saddle up and hook the trailer up and go ride all day, try to get done before the storms came in, and uh, anyway, but but I felt better this week than, than I have in months, and and it's, it's, it is that daily grind that I talked about of, of you know, I, I think reading our Bibles and praying and, and getting up on Sunday mornings, I, I, I know a lot of people, you know, they tell me, oh, you know, I just, man, I I was too tired from this week to to get up and, and go fellowship with other cowboys and cowgirls, but but I also hear later on that they say, "Man, afterwards, I wish I'd have gone." And and so it, you know, it, it seems like the grind makes us more tired, but actually doing what we know we should do and and working through the grind is actually what strengthens us, and that's what separates us. Uh, the saved from the lost it is is finding that joy and even when you don't want to do it of of doing what you're supposed to do so welcome to save the cowboy i think most everybody has uh been here before but if not this is a sick pen for sinners not a show ring for saints another thing about save the cowboy that differentiates us that does not make us better okay we are in not competition with other uh religious organizations christian relig- religious organizations uh, around here or anywhere else, but but what makes us different is is we're we're not we're not a church. Okay, we are the church. We're not going to ask you to join a membership or or anything like that. We we want to help you develop a personal relationship with God. 
And if you will listen, if you'll listen today, we'll give you some tools and ideas on how to do just that. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, okay? Hebrews, and that's not about coffee, all right? It's not about coffee. It's a, it's a book of the Bible. It's kind of near the end. Um, you know, I, I wasn't raised as a horseman, okay? I'm from Texas. <laughs> that, uh, unfortunately, whenever I was younger, it was, and I don't want to say the old school ways because, you know, I think that there's a lot of things that, that are really good about those old ways. I even did a, like a four or five part series on the old cowboy ways. But the way I was kind of in the beginning taught to ride a horse, taught to break a horse or start a colt, was you go out there and you halter break it by any means necessary and you kind of get it a little bit tired and then you throw a saddle on, let him buck it off a few times and let him get a little more tired and then you cinch it up and you put a blindfold on him if you have to and you step up on him and you ride him till he quits bucking and then you open the gate and off you go on a, on a wild goose chase. And uh, I had the opportunity, I got a new colt in and, and I was, uh, I, I knew... Uh, of a guy that, that kind of did this, you know, Ray Hunt, Tom Dorrance type of different way of starting a cult. And they offered to give me a free lesson. And I was like, well, I, you know, you had me at free, right? So I drove to San Angelo, Texas, and I loaded up this cult. And when I say loaded up this cult, it was basically, you know, uh, open up the, the you know, kind of like you load cattle, right? You back up to the loading chute and you just spook it in till it runs in and uh, shut the gate. And I drove to San Angelo and I got in there and I mean, I'd had a halter on her a few times, but it, it was nothing pretty or, and nothing horseman. And so whenever I got in the pen, I, I put her in the pen and I said, well, show me. And he said, get in there. I was like, well, I don't know what to do. And he said, I'm going to tell you what to do. And this horse would stand as far away from you as, as she could. If you were on the north side of the pen, she was on the south side. If you were, on, you know, kind of like that biblical, as far as the east is from the west, then she could get to me. And, and he started kind of teaching me. He said, we're going to teach this horse how to lead, but we're not going to use anything on her. I was like, yeah, okay, you don't know this horse, right? And so, anyway, I, I uh, went in there, and he had me just get her feet moving around this round pin. Just get this, get this horse's feet moving, and she, she started going on. And, and what he told me is he said, I want you to watch her ears. Where her ears are is what she's paying attention to. And she would kind of, you know, flick, my, flick her ears at me every once in a while. But what she was doing is she had her head most of the time over that round pin looking at other things. And he said... When she stops paying attention to you, then you get in front of her, and, and hopefully you, the goal is to make her turn towards you, and you send her the other way. And you just get her going and get her going, and, you know, horse's lungs are this big, and it takes a little while for him to get tired. And he said, as long as she's not paying attention to you, you keep her feet moving. But if she ever starts really paying attention, you know, she'll kind of look to the inside, and both those ears will be pointed at you because you can, you can tell where a horse is watching. He said, as soon as her attention gets on you, you just stop everything and let her come to a stop. And so, you know, I did that, and she came to stop, and she was kind of looking at me because I'd been jipping her around with a flag or I don't know what I had. Might have just been with my hands. 
and everything. And, and so he said, just, just be still. And so I was just perfectly still. And she was looking at me. And then here in a second, she started looking. He goes, get her moving. And so, boy, here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go again. And we just repeated this process back and forth around the round pen. And every time she started paying attention to me, I stopped. And before long, man, she kept both ears and eyes on me. And he said, okay, now stop her and step. You know, she was going around to the right or something. And he said, okay, now stop. And, and she stopped and she kind of turned towards me. And he said, now draw her your way. Try to get her to face you completely. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? And I said, you may, you kick dirt at her, holler, scream, whatever you have to. You know, she'd look at me like a barrel horse, right? And, and I kept moving towards the back end so that she would come around. And, it, and this took a little while. And every time she took her attention off me, circles again, circles again, circles again. Back the other way, circles again, circles again. And then she, whenever I would step in front of her to stop her, boy, she'd just, I mean, just turn right around and face me. And he goes, okay, now walk towards her. He said, you walk towards her and your goal is to walk up and touch her on the nose. But she has to have all of her attention to you. And I said, what's this going to do? And he said, we're teaching her to lead. Okay, so she turned and faced me, and I started walking, and, and, and she, you know, now, now you're kind of coming into her zone where I'd been staying out of it, and, and she'd kind of sit there, and she couldn't go anywhere, and here in a second, she'd look off, and he'd say, get her attention, I, hey, hey, and I'd back up, and here in a second, whenever she did that, whenever she looked off, and I got her attention again, she took two steps towards me. He said, keep backing up, so I backed up further. She took another step towards me, and then she looked off, and we repeated this process again. And, and before it was all said and done, I could hardly drive that horse off of me. I would walk around the round pen, and she, her nose would be on my right or left shoulder. And I could walk, and she would walk next to me. I could stop. She would immediately stop. I could back up. She would back up. We did all this in about 20 to 30 minutes with no training whatsoever, just by drawing her near to us. See, what we were doing is we were rewarding attention and being close. As long as she was close to me, following me, looking to me for where to go and what to do, she was fine. But the second she took her attention, when, when something else in the world took her eyes off of me, then, then things, the, the circle started again. The circle started again, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm telling you, by the time we were, we were done with that, I, I, I'm not sure, I didn't push it, but whenever, I think I could have just opened the gate and walked out and, her, and she would have just stuck right with me, no matter where I went. Now, granted, I didn't try that because it was only the first day. But when it came time, reached up, rubbed the halter on her, walked around a little bit. She didn't do nothing. Here in a second, started rubbing her all over, front to back, front to back. If she took her attention off and tried to do something on her own, more circles. And before long, I put a halter on her, tied the halter, led with the lead rope, and she never pulled back. And where I had to chase her in the trailer the first time, I walked right up in the trailer, and she followed me, and I tied her up, and we went home. We're going to start uh, uh, a two- or three-week series on uh, what I call God's horsemanship program because he does the same thing 
with us. You know, before uh, before this horsemanship, the the you know, kind of the just the cowboy way of just saddling something up and, and getting on and riding it till it quits bucking. We we figured out that you can you can get something done like that, but it's a lot more effective to do it a different way. Colts were started by punishing the wrong. Now we start horses by offering them rest, not by making them work harder. But whenever uh, whenever I was on ten ten a.m. at seven thirty, we're on the radio out of brush, and whenever I got in the truck to come this morning, it was about seven forty. And, and, and I turned the radio program on because it's kind of fun to listen to yourself on the radio. And the, the boys like it. And, and they're like, is that you? I'm like, yeah, that's me. And, 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 and I was talking about that, how, how horsemanship has evolved from punishing the wrong to making the right things easy and the wrong things hard. God does the exact same things with us. Instead of punishing the wrong, now we start uh, horses by rewarding the right. There's a difference in punishing the wrong and rewarding the right, especially when we first get started. See, what we're trying to do when we start horses in this manner is to instill confidence in them that the safest place for them is right next to us. We offer them hope in that if you stick with me and pay attention to me, it's going to be ten times easier than than the alternative. And we draw them in with rest and reward. And God does the same thing with us. Maybe you're new to Christianity, but but these things don't work with just cults. I mean, I've taken some horses in that people were having a problem with, a.k.a. spoiled, you know, those that, you know, that that uh, their training methods are are to make them as fat as they can be and let them get away with whatever they want. And if if something's going wrong, give them a treat. Maybe they'll maybe they'll do it right. It doesn't work like that. Okay, so I, I've done this with with older horses. I, I've seen Ty do something very similar to this with with, hor- with problem horses that he gets in that that he takes them back to the round pen. To, to, to reinforce that foundation that, that's been cracking and, and crumbling and everything. So it doesn't matter if you're just starting out following God in, in authentic Christianity, or, or maybe, maybe you've been going for a long time, but you've lost some of that foundation. You, you, you know, your life seems to be going in circles, and, and, and you're worn out, and, and you're not rested. Well, it, it may be because... Man, you've been looking outside the round pen. You've been looking at everything else across God's green pastures except who's in the center of it all. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19, we start where uh, the writer of Hebrews says, for the law never made anything perfect. I mean, the law was kind of that old way of punishing the wrong instead of rewarding the right. The law always pointed out Everything that you did wrong, it was all about what you did wrong, what you did wrong, what you did wrong, what you did wrong. It says, for the law never never made anything perfect, but now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. For the law never made anything perfect, but now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. See, God doesn't punish the wrong anymore. He just doesn't give us rest. God doesn't punish the wrong anymore after Jesus came 
and did everything for us. God doesn't punish the wrong. He rewards the right. Confident, you know, our, our confidence now is not in what we can accomplish, but in what Jesus accomplished for us. Confidence in what the greatest horseman can do, not in what we can do. We have hope that we will be led to a reward. Okay, man. If you if you don't have hope, I mean that that that's one of the three foundational uh, uh, ide- ideologies of Christianity is hope. And hope, uh, you know, and I'll talk about this later. But you know, faith is is a heart addicted to hope that no matter what's going on, that God's got a plan, and one day it will be better. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But one day, if you're willing to do the hard stuff now, later on, that same hard stuff will be easy. Now, granted, you'll probably be taken to the next level, so it will never really get easier. But the stuff that you're going through today won't have the same impact as it does tomorrow. Drawing near offers rest. You know, in, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Jesus himself says this, okay? Listen to this. And, and most of you probably heard it or, you know, in the by and by or whatever. But in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus himself says this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is that what your life seems like, that you're just going in circles and circles and circles, and sometimes it's good and most times it's hard, and, and circles and circles, you keep going through the same problems over and over and over and over and over? Jesus says, man, he, he, he's going to keep your feet moving until you realize that you can't do it, but only by come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's time for us to quit looking over the round pen at everything else and turn our attention on God because as soon as we put our attention on God, man, the worries of this world just seem to, they don't disappear, but they just seem to to minimize whenever you've got your eyes on God. And here in a second, man, he starts kind of coming near to us and we start going near to him. And then all of a sudden, he's taking us places and we're right there on his shoulder, paying attention to him, not worried about why he's doing something or what he's doing, but knowing that as long as we stay right next to him, that everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. So how do we do that? How do we draw near to God. How does he draw us to him? Now, a, a lot of us are renegades, man. We, we, we just don't seem to learn, man. We'd rather just work ourselves to death, running back and forth around the round pen, you know, tail cocked at about, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, prancing around, sweating their butts off and everything. And God, I'm sure, is standing in the middle of the round pen going, man, if you would just come over here, you can take a break. It's really that, I mean, it. I, it sounds simple, but but and it is simple. But I didn't say it was easy because we've been ingrained, especially in America, man. Depend upon yourself. You know, we're looking for rewards that we earn, and 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 all of this stuff. We got our eyes set on, on fancy horse trailers and fancy pickups and better jobs and more money and retirement and everything. And God's like, man, all of that is going to pass away. But I'm not. If you're looking for rest, if you're looking for purpose, man. Draw near to me. And in Hebrews chapter 10, if you flip over, I mean, you're in seven, so if you just turn over a few pages, it should be easy to find. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Four steps to drawing near to God. Number one, you know, a sincere heart. Look, man, I don't know how else to say this, but when it says a sincere heart, you got to want to be with him, all right? Because you know what? Religion is basically one of those deals where you try to do something to get the reward without going to God. We just go through the motions all the time, just going through the motions, going through the motions, but never having that rest, never having that peace, never having that purpose. You got to, the Bible says that, uh, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. You got to want him. There, there's no other way. You got to want this with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. It's got to be the top priority in your life. And, and, I, and, and, I, and I'm not trying to scare you or ridicule you, but, but please, you know, learning from your mistakes is good. Learning from my mistakes is better. I'm going to tell you right now that even as a preacher, that I have attempted to do things on my own and wore myself out. But every time I get in the Word, I stay focused on God, man. All of a sudden, the problems don't go away. But man, they don't become near as big as they used to be. But you got to do it with a sincere heart. You've got to want it. And you know what? He's not going to make you do it. He's not going to wake you up in the morning and say, get in there and read your good book. He's not going to do it. He's going to tell you that's what you need to do, but he's not going to make you do it. He's not going to say, man, I don't care how late you were out on Saturday night. Man, I give you six days. Can you give me one hour? And when you start just giving him that one hour, you'll start giving him more than that. You'll realize that this one hour is just where we call the play. It's not where we live the life. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. And then the second thing that the writer of Hebrews says is that we must have a full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. You know what I hate? I hate the way this world operates in, with, in what I like to call the bait and switch. You ever run into that right there? They say, oh, you know, I got this great deal for you. You know, I'm going to offer you something free or, or, or something like that. And you get over there and you're like, oh, that sounds good. And then, and then there's what? The catch, the catch. Well, well there's, there's no catch with God. There's no bait and switch. That's what the full assurance of faith is, is that God wants the best for you. And he's offering. And I didn't say that, that, uh, that it was going to be an easy life, okay? Unfortunately, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of ideologies out there that say, oh, you just go to God and all your problems are going to go away and you're just going to get set up with, with sweet horse apple treats and, you know, you're never going to be asked to do anything. No, that's, that's, that's not true. But he's going to give you a purpose. Instead of you just running around a round pen or, or, or out there all by yourself, depending upon yourself, God says, man, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to give you everything you need. And I may even give you a few things that you want. But we must know that, that what God says, man, he, 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 he don't go he, he's never gone back on a promise. I mean, he said, I have con the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
in John chapter 10, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. He didn't say that, I, that they may have life and have it easy. He didn't say that. You want that abundant life, man. It's what your heart's been searching for. I know it. I don't have to know your, your, your specific details of your life, but man, that you're looking for rest and fulfillment and purpose. And God is standing in the middle of the round pen going, I've got it for you, but you got to come over here, cowboy. I've got it, cowgirl. It ain't out there. I got it right here. And the only way you can have it is to draw near to God. Number three, he has cleansed our guilty conscience. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Man, isn't it funny how God says, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to have its own stuff to worry about. But a lot of us live with a guilty conscience, man. We're stuck in the past. Of, hey, get that. Fly away from me. I'm going to smell good. Or I smell like cattle. That's probably more like it. Still ain't got rid of them from following those bulls all week. <laughs> I might need you to dip me later, okay, Ty? Just run me through the shooting. Shoot me down. But you know what? You don't have to have a guilty conscience. You know why? Because God ain't mad at you. God ain't mad at you. It, it, later on in Hebrews, it says that, that uh, I will remember their sins no more. God ain't mad at you. You, you, you ain't got to do something to come near to him. Jesus did all of that so that we could come near to God. No more do we have to fret and worry over what happened in the past. No more do we have to fret and worry about what's going to happen in the future. And isn't it amazing that uh, I, I'm going I'm to make a bet that about 99% of all of our lives, most of the time, is spent worrying about what happened or what will happen. And not any of us have the strength on a day-to-day -day basis without a lot of practice of just saying, you know what, God loves me just for who I am. That doesn't mean that you can keep continuing that life that you used to lead. Because if you're going to draw near to God, you're going to start going places he tells you to go. You're going to be who he tells you to be. You're going to start doing things the way he says to do them. You're going to start saying things that he tells you to say. And all of that comes from being right there next to him. Of not worrying about where you're going or what you're doing, but just by drawing near to God. And the fourth thing in that passage that, that the writer of Hebrews says is that we've been forgiven. God doesn't want to get his hands on us to punish us, but to reward us and give us rest. And I'm not saying rest from not doing anything. I'm talking about peace of mind, peace of heart. You've, when you get next to God, you win. I didn't say that the, that the, that the battle wouldn't be tough. But when you step, you know, God is the original goat, not Tom Brady, okay? The greatest of all time was God sending his son Jesus to do what we couldn't do. But we've been forgiven all of our past sins, that old life that you used to lead, that life of worrying and, and, and the what ifs. Man, isn't it amazing that we would rather listen to the devil's what ifs than God's promises? Well, what if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? You know, what, what if God doesn't forgive me? You know what? I, I, had, a, I had a guy that I admire totally. Uh, and, and heck of a cowboy, he told me one time, he said, you know what, preacher, I, I, I sure love your messages, but you just don't understand the life that I used to lead, and I don't think that God can forgive me. And I told him, I said, I want you to close your eyes for just a second, cowboy. 
He said, no. <laughs> I said, just yeah, I'm not going to sucker punch you, nothing like that. Close your eyes. He closed his eyes, and I said, I want you to picture Jesus up on that cross, nailed to it, beaten beyond recognition, naked, shame, king of the Jews. This is what we do, the king of the Jews. This is the power that we have. I said, you got him pictured? He said, yeah. And I said, now walk up to that cross. He said, all right. So he pictured himself walking up to that cross. I said, now look up at him. I said, can you see him? He said, yeah. I said, now tell him that that wasn't enough. Tell him that wasn't enough because that's what you're saying. Jesus, I know you was beaten. I know you lived a perfect life. I know you died for my sins, but what you went through wasn't enough. He said, I can't do that. And I said, then accept the forgiveness. Tears started running down that tough cowboy's face. Have you accepted the forgiveness that Jesus offers you? Aren't you looking for that rest and that peace? The only way to find it is to draw near to God. Well, why does it feel like we're always going in circles? Because, I mean, I know that's how you felt. Maybe not right now, but at some point in time or another. Man, it kind of gets better, and then it gets worse. It gets better, and it gets worse. And it gets better, and it gets worse. And it's the same old things time after time after time, and we know when we're doing it. We know when we're doing it. Why does it feel like you're going in circles? Because you probably are. In James chapter 4, verse 8, James says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and draw near to you. God is not going to draw you to him. And then when your focus is on him and only him, he's not going to shoo you away and say, Get away from me. The only person he's going to say, Get away from me, is, is those that never paid attention to him, never did anything he wanted, he actually says in his good book, he says, on that day, those that did not come near to me are going to try to come to me, and I'm going to say, get away from me, for I knew you not. Man, you've got two choices in your life. You've got two choices. You can draw near to God, and on that day, whenever your heart stops beating, and you stand in front of the big man, you're going to be judged on one thing. Were you close to God? Did you have a personal relationship with him? And if you did, you have the full assurance and faith. You have the hope. That God's going to look at you and call you by name and say, get on in here. I got a place made for you. I got you a spot picked out right over here. Most beautiful spot you ever had in your life. But if you don't know God, man, when you finally realize that there is a God and you've wasted your life, you're going to run up to him and go, oh, God, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm here. You know, I finally got close to you. And he goes, who are you? You're going to hear one of those two things. And I'm not trying to do a hellfire and brimstone. I'm just giving you the facts. On that day, God's either going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in here. Or he's going to say, get away from me, for I knew you not. And on that day, it'll be too late for either one. Well, not for either one, but you, you can't say, well, I didn't know. Nobody ever told me. I'm telling you today, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Every single one of us need, need God. And, and, you know, the, the sad thing is, is that the better things are in our life, the further away from God we get. Maybe you've been going through a wreck because you've been spending all your time looking over the fence at everything else that this world has to offer. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. There's only one way to purify your heart, and that's to come to Jesus for forgiveness. And then he calls us one thing. Isn't it fun whenever the Bible calls us names? He calls us double-minded. Jesus said no man can have two masters. He will love one and hate the other. You can, you can talk about, yeah, hey, I'm a Christian, I, I know God, but are you right up there next to him? Because if you're just running in the, in, in the round pen in circles, 
looking over the fence, you're not with God. You're on your own. He's just standing in the middle. James calls us double-minded. You know, we want one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. And Jesus says it can't be done, man. If you got a foot in the world, your foot ain't in heaven no matter, no matter what you think. You double-minded. You can't have one eye on the world outside the round pen and one eye on God. The Bible calls that double-minded. God is going to keep our feet moving and keep us moving in a circle because our attention is on the world instead of on him. Religion will have you going in circles while longing for the world and its ways. And you know what? I, I, I see it all the time, and it, it literally it burdens me, and it hurts my heart. Not just whenever I do this, but when I see y'all do this also, is that, man, you're, you're, you're doing Christian things or trying to make people think you're doing Christian things, but nothing's changed. And religion will, the religion will tell you, man, a, a, as long as you read your Bible every once in a while, you go to church every once in a while, and, and you say you believe in God, you're good. Sorry. I, 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 know, I know college scholars that teach the Bible as a book, not as God's word. I've known people that could quote scripture that didn't believe a word it said. Okay? Religion will do that to you. The devil will convince you that you can live your life however you want it and still get into heaven. You can't. The only way is to draw near to God. It's the only way to have peace. It's the only way to have purpose. And, and I'm telling you what, you know, we all idealize the Mustang, you know, running wild and free and doing whatever we want to do. Man, you ever been up close to one of those mangy things? Man, they're, they're, and they're outlaws. I mean, they're, they're, their teeth are all rotten and their life, their life expectancy isn't very long. What God wants to do is he wants to take you from being a Mustang to a finished cow horse. He wants you to give you, he wants to give you purpose. He wants to feed you. He wants to clothe you. He wants to give you rest and he wants to give you purpose. And sometimes that purpose is not going to be easy, but once it's done, you have that peace of mind. You have rest for your soul. God doesn't want, li listen to this, okay? If you've just been thinking about the game, watching the Cowboys play tonight and, you know, all of that stuff, just let me have your attention. Let me stomp. I want both ears forward. Listen, just for a second. I know you got the attention span of a goldfish, okay? Let me tap on the glass for just a second. God doesn't want you to do things for him. That's religion. Religion is doing things for God. Authentic Christianity is doing things with God. Night and day difference. God doesn't want you to do things for him. He wants you to do things with him. God doesn't want you to do things for him. He wants you to do things with him. You know, I, and, and I, I've seen, you know, uh, and, and my, my, my dogs have been guilty of it. You know, they, they, they want a purpose. And I let them out to run around and play and everything. And before I know it, they're out chasing the cows out in the pasture because they think that's what they're supposed to do. Well, that is what they're supposed to do when I tell them to do that and in the way I tell them to do it. But a lot of Christians these days, or, you know, Christians with a lowercase c, man, they're just out there scattering cattle, chasing horses, and, and thinking, oh, look, look at me wag my tail. I'm doing something for God. You're not getting nothing accomplished. And then you wonder why you're getting scolded. God doesn't want you to do something for him. He wants you to do something with him. Only by drawing near to God will you find rest and purpose. I've learned a lot about my Christian life from Fiona. 
Fiona will give me everything she has, good or bad. <laughs> for, for good or bad, I, I, was, I was helping Robert uh, pull bulls this week, and, and, and there was this, I, I was in the middle pasture. Robert was with his dogs in another pasture, and, man, I, I looked for this bull for like 30 minutes because there was two different sets of cows. He wasn't with either one of them, so I started riding this big old gully, and this old bull was, was hunkered in from the wind in one of these just kind of a little uh, finger of this of this draw, and he's just laying down there by himself, chewing his cud. <laughs> yeah, I needed that dog. And so, uh, anyway, I, I get down there, and I find him, and I start pushing him, and he's like, ah, you know. He, he gets up, and he starts walking. Well, the first thing he wants to do is go back to the, to, to the cute ladies, right? That's the first thing he wants to do. But I want him to go somewhere else. And so as that morning, whenever I went and got Fiona, she didn't really want to fulfill her purpose that day. You know, she likes to trot around and stay as far away from me as possible, but, but she's really good now. Now she'll just go to the other side of the pen and stand there. She won't necessarily come up to me, but I went up to her, halted her, got her going. And so this bull starts trotting and he's going the right direction, but he's kind of drifting. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm going straight. You know, he was facing straight, but he was kind of veering off, wanting to go back with, with, with the ladies and everything. And so I got Fiona, and, and, and I'm trotting up, and I, and I told her, you know, I kind of gave her the cue of what we were doing. And, and I, I was on the left side of this bull, and this bull's trotting to the right. And, and he starts going faster, so I tell her to go faster, and I'm wanting her to lock onto this bull. And sure enough, man, she gets right up there next to him, and he stops, and she just keeps going. She wasn't paying attention to that bull. She was paying attention to me, but she wasn't paying attention to that bull. So I shut her down, and we had to, guess what? Things got a lot harder. So now we had to circle back around, and I had to get over there next to it and everything, and we start going the right way, and he starts going faster and faster and faster, and she did it again. He stopped, ducked in behind us. Well, now things got a little rougher on her. Instead of expecting her to do it, I made her do it, and I showered her down out in the middle of the pasture. And the third time we did it, I mean, she matched that bull's speed. And, I mean, her, her ears were on me, but her eye was also on that bull. And as he would go, she would match his speed. And if he went to stop, boy, she'd just drop her butt and, and, and back up if she had to, roll back. I mean, she, it took a little while because she knew what she was supposed to do. I was asking her to go to the next level, to pay attention to me, to draw near to me and fulfill her purpose, but to also do what she needed done. And it wasn't easy. And it got a little, it got a little rank out there in the pasture all by myself. It was me, Fiona, Bull, and God himself. Come back next week and I'll tell you what happened. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we've been going in circles so long and we're longing for rest, acceptance, and forgiveness. We're looking for a better way and better way isn't something that we come up with it's you help us to get both ears on you and only on you jesus is that drink of water that never leaves us wanting more but he won't stop he won't stop and make us come to him he will always offer but never force us to draw near to him let us stop our feet turn our full attention on him and draw near for the rest for the peace and for the purpose that our soul so much desires and it's in his name we pray. Have you ever dreamed of being a cowboy? Do you long to ride for the brand? 
If you're one of those rare individuals, then we at Save the Cowboy have something just for you. We believe that you are capable of more than you ever imagined. We are offering you the chance to ride for the Lord and save the Cowboys Long X Ranch. We can show you how to be stronger, go further, and ride harder than you ever thought possible. And you know what? We just happen to have a spot for a cowboy. You ready to saddle up? A Long X Ranch cowboy is a person wanting to take their relationship with God to the next level. Our cowboys strive to live a life worthy of their calling and help save the cowboy gather the lost and bring back those that have strayed away. Are you ready to take the outside? If so, go to SaveTheCowboy.com and sign up today. We'll be waiting on you.